0: Welcome to Trace on the Case, the podcast where we talk about unique cases, economic damage claims, financial investigations, and various aspects of white collar crime. My name is Paul Rodriguez, and I'll be your host. My partner Deb Temkin and I have over 60 years of experience between us in doing what we love to do, tracing money and tracing the people. We've seen it all and in this show we're going to be taking you below the surface, deep into our world so you can learn how we work and how we've solved some very complex problems. Because let's face it, the most tricky cases require bringing in the experts. This is Trace on the Case. We have a tremendous episode ahead of us. We are happy you're here. So let's get into it. this is paul Rodriguez with trace on the case and today is episode number seven and i'm interviewing my partner deb temkin deb heads up the chicago office and uh deb how are you doing today
1: i'm doing fantastically it's a beautiful summer's day how are you doing
0: yeah yeah i'm doing excellent too so today we wanted to talk about uh, economic damages um, and uh, maybe you know just at a very high level we don't have to uh, get in really deep on on the subject, but just kind of a, like an overview. Um, with economic damages, what are they? Um, just in general and and uh, what are the different ways that uh, a person could calculate those?
1: It's an interesting question and yes, we'll try not to get too into the weeds. Uh, Generally, economic damages are intended to restore the party that has been harmed by the other party to the position that they would have been in, but for the act of the party doing the harm. So, for example, if you have a breach of contract and party A and party B contract for some sort of business arrangement, party A then breaches the contract and fails to adhere to it, which then causes damage to party B. For example, party B cannot continue its course of business as usual. Party B would be entitled to sue party A for the breach. And then we would come in as economic damages experts to figure out the economic harm, the monetary harm, how much money has party B actually lost as a direct consequence of party A. So, um and it's important to remember that party b cannot be put in a better position than it would have been in um but for the breach they really need to be restored to the position that they would have been in had the contract continued
0: okay that that was excellent and um and then with regards to let's let's uh, talk a little bit more about like a breach of contract so let's say hypothetically a company was buying a raw product, uh, from another, uh, uh, vendor and, uh, that, Mm -hmm. whether they're, um, selling them coffee beans or chocolate or whatever, the raw ingredients, and now they can't make, uh, their, um, their product. So as a result of that breach, I, I guess, how would you kind of approach that situation?
1: Well, um, that's an interesting question. I mean, there's a lot of things that you'd need to look at and um, as the economic damages expert. And, you know, it's, it's important to not only assess the position that the party is in now because they're unable to make their coffee, chocolate, whatever it is that they're making, but you also need to consider what's going on in the market at the same time. So as economic damages experts, um, before we even start getting down into the weeds of, well, what specifically happened with that business, I think we need to look at some outside factors. Um, You need to look at, you know, whether there were any changes in customers or clients that would have affected the sales of the party that's now unable to make their coffees or chocolates, Um, maybe perhaps it's chocolate coffee um, (laughs) or coffee chocolate. Uh, you have to look at the competition. You have to look at the current market share trends. You know, what's the general economic environment? You know, are we sitting in the middle of a pandemic? Have we just come out of the pandemic? Um, is there, you know, be, has there been a change in administration and therefore the economy has either, you know, shut up and is doing wonderfully or is going through another crisis and people are losing jobs? So we we look at all of that and, and also the seasonality of the businesses. And then we then we can start looking at what actually happened to the business and um, getting the most reliable information that we can to start assessing, uh, you know, what position was the business in before um, the, say, vendor reneged on delivering the coffee and chocolate. And then we could compare it to the position that the company is in now when it's unable to make that product and unable to make those cells and you know for the technical people listening that's what we call the before and after method you're simply looking at what the company was able to do before the breach and what the company is able to do after the breach and that delta or difference Is your damage. And that's what we call the before and after method. That's just one of the methods.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really good. Let's just develop that thought a little bit more. So let's assume, uh, you know, we do our due diligence, we look at all the available evidence. um, And what we want to look to is let's say they would say, well, I didn't have the raw ingredients to make and sell my product. So I've got a loss of sales, right? Sales revenue. Um, and when we look at that, we, we need to look to see, well, do they really have a loss of sales revenue because of the product or is it somebody canceled orders with them? Right. Do they, do they still have sufficient outstanding orders that the demand is sufficient that had they had the product, they would have been able to sell it. Right. We have to isolate those variables as well. Correct. Um, and, uh, and we take a look at, uh, you know, if they've got other work, um, uh, or other potential contracts that they could be fulfilling, um, but they had to turn away because they couldn't supply product as well. I, I would imagine that would be a consideration, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And okay. you would
1: also look to manufacturing capacity. You know, maybe the vendor isn't supplying because they know that this company that's doing the manufacturing doesn't have that capacity to meet the growing demand. And so you know, they're going to other companies that do have the capacity to meet the growing demand. So that's something else that we would look at.
0: Especially um, if they're a slow pay too, right?
1: <laughs> especially if they're a slow pay, absolutely. There mm. may be reasons that the vendor is walking away or, or if they've got a bad reputation, maybe that company is just a company that nobody really wants to deal with um, and has, you know, numerous mentions in the Wall Street Journal, et cetera. So, um, all of those factors come into play. And okay. uh, a- as you were talking, I was also thinking one of the other things we look at is, um, you know, if, if in any economic economic damages claim, the damaged party has a responsibility to try to mitigate or reduce their damages. So we also have to look at what did the company do to um, help reduce its damages?
0: Exactly. And, and not that they took steps to actually make it worse and make the damages higher when they could have, uh, they could have, for example, they could have found a different vendor, right? Or they could have done, made changes to increase uh, manufacturing capacity and so on. So yes, that's another consideration that has to be, uh, you know, taken in consideration when you're doing these calculations. So let's say let's say we we've got that figured out. we, we know that they would have been able to sell an additional, you know uh, half a million pieces of product or whatever. Um, then uh, they're not just going to get damages on all that lost revenue, right? because there's costs associated with uh, with manufacturing that product. That has to be looked at correct?
1: Exactly. And that's why we call it an economic damages, lost profits and not lost revenue. Um, the difference between revenue and profit is the expense portion, you know, the expense of making that product. Um, so what we do as economic damages experts is we'll look at the revenue and then we'll look at the associated costs of making the um, units of sales, those sales units that were missed as a result of, say, the breach of contract. And again, Switching into the parlance of of consultants and economic damages experts, we call those the incremental costs or the avoidable or the avoided costs. Those are the costs that would have been incurred had the cells actually been made. And so we'll we'll work out what those costs are. They they are not costs that would have happened. Um, they typically are variable costs, but there could be a mix of variable and fixed depending on. Um, depending on the the facts of the circumstances. And that's something we have a duty to be very careful about, to make sure that we get all of those costs in and not inadvertently overstate the profit. Um, and we we take those costs off from the revenue and then that becomes your lost profits claim.
0: Okay, very good. So let's, um just uh, for the listeners here, just at a very high level, usually what you have is you have uh, sales less, cost of sales or sometimes it's listed cost of goods sold that would give you gross profit and when we're talking about doing a damage calculation we have to go beyond the gross profit typically if there's other incremental costs that are variable uh, with respect to producing that product is that what you're basically stating
1: Yes, absolutely, and I, I skipped over the gross profit portion, so that's that's terribly important. Um, so you've got your sales and then the cost of those sales. So in a manufacturing environment, you would look at how much does it cost to actually manufacture manufacture those products? What are the direct costs? In other words, the factory costs. Um, so that would be, you know, labor that's incurred in the manufacturer. It would be things like the factory Um Uh, like the product coming in that's going to be converted into a finished product, et cetera. And those are your direct costs, which go into the cost of goods sold or cost of sales. And from that you get your revenue less your cost of goods sold gives you your gross profit. Then we go one step further and we say, okay, what are the additional costs that go into these products being sold? And those would be indirect costs. So it could be, um, a portion of administrative costs. Uh, it could be depreciation on the machines um, that are being used in the manufacturing process. Um, it could be, you know, freight and transportation. Um, and those types of costs then and storage, get included.
0: and storage and all of those things and warehousing space and overhead allocations. Um, absolutely.
1: I, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we, we take a look at it and and uh typically you know uh, Deb and I, we we treat these as a financial investigation. I mean, you know, we're, we're forensic accountants and um, we look at things to determine, you know, what the factors, uh, what the various factors are, what the various variables are and how they move. Um, we take a look at uh, reasonableness. And so we'll talk about reasonableness in a moment, but before we do that, When we're using data to do our calculations um what's uh what's the best rule of thumb when you're using uh, information to make calculations well
1: the best rule the rule of thumb is that you should look at the best evidence that's available there's no expectation that a company is going to go recreate the will and give you information it didn't have during the ordinary course of business So you have to ask for what was generated during the ordinary course of business and get as detailed as you can. Make sure that you understand it. Don't just accept management's word. Um, I think we've seen all too often damages experts who simply write in their report, you know, the company had capacity to manufacture and then they footnoted and say per discussion with their client's management. Um, I think one of the things that's, that's really important and, you know, both you and I do this all the time, Paul, is we ask for evidence of that. Well, how do we know that you had capacity? Let's see capacity reports. Let's understand how much you actually can manufacture or how much you can sell. Um, let's understand how your business is financed. Would you be able to get additional financing had you got additional units to produce or, you know, additional units to sell if you're simply a reseller? Um, So the rule is always look to the best evidence possible that the client has in the ordinary course of business.
0: Exactly, exactly. what Well said. Um, And and then let's say when you get done doing a calculation and all of a sudden it's uh, a zillion dollars of damages, um, what would you do at that point? Would you say, well, is this even reasonable? Would you, uh, how would you approach that?
1: I would probably, you know, start cheering and then stop cheering very quickly and make sure that I haven't made an error. That's um, right. You know, is it realistic? And and sometimes it is. Sometimes those really big claims are realistic. Um, but you have to go back and you have to look at every single assumption you've made and say, is that assumption correct and is it reasonable? Does it make sense? And can you can you explain that assumption in a very, very simple way and still come out at the same number? Once you've simplified everything, are you still coming out at the same number? That's the test I like to do. Um, because sometimes what happens is as accountants, we can tend to get very, very fancy with our numbers. And, um, you know, you get so stuck in the calculation that you are not looking at the real world and the facts of the case. And so you need to make sure that every single one of your assumptions um, are reasonable, that they would stand up in the court of law. um, And also that they tie back or or tethered to the facts of the case. And and that's often where the numbers run away is, um, you know, damages expert may come up with a royalty rate, for example, um, and they may come up with 25% or 30%. But realistically for that type of product, um, a more reasonable royalty would be five percent, and so you know I think you do need to to double check and triple check and consult with your partner, um, and that's why we have partnerships is so we can consult with one another and catch those you know things that that could go wrong, but also collectively bring you know the collective brain power to the project.
0: Exactly, exactly. So we're always looking to see if it makes sense, but I in in. Um... The the lingo usually in the in the damages world that you'll hear is is that you know we we have calculated uh, lost profits or economic damages to a reasonable degree of certainty. There's a uh, reasonable degree of certainty requirement, correct?
1: There is, and you know that's that's a that's a legal term and a legal standard. Um, but ultimately, what it comes down to is, would any reasonable professional doing the same calculation? arrive at approximately the same answer, um, given all the facts and circumstances and assumptions, et cetera. Um, and to get to reasonable certainty, you know, you can't just be working in behind the magic curtain, like the wizard of Oz. Um, you actually have to be in front of the curtain and show your hand and show what you're doing. Um, so that when any court um, is testing the reasonableness of your work, they're going to come out at the conclusion that there is reasonable certainty in your numbers.
0: Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. So anyways, we'll delve into that further next time as we continue on uh, with Trace on the Case for our next episode, and we will develop some of these thoughts further. We will get into how we can do some testing um, to to ascertain whether we are within a reasonable certainty for, let's say, lost profits or whatever calculation that we're doing. So we, until then, uh, next week, we look forward to seeing you again. And until that time, take care. And uh, any last words, Deb?
1: Um, No, just have a wonderful week, everybody, and we'll be speaking to you soon. Um, Paul, thank you for inviting me to join you. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I like to talk about these things, so I'd be happy to jump into the, the detailed, um, costs, et cetera, and, and work that we do next time.
0: Sounds great. Okay. Everybody until next week, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Trace on the Case. If you've enjoyed the show, there are many more on the way, and we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's the number one way to help the show. To learn more about myself, Deb, and Trace as an organization, visit traceforensic.com. And thank you again for joining us. We're very excited to talk with you again next week. So bring a friend.